Park Baptist Church. Good evening to you all. How are we doing this evening? We're doing good? Amen and amen. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, get started this evening. If you can uh, rest upon your feet just for this opening hymn, we'll have a word of prayer. And uh, if you sing really well, we'll let you sit on the second hymn. Hymn 115, hymn 115, Wounded for Me. Wounded for Me is our opening hymn. Wounded for Me, hymn 115. Let us all sing together. of worship during this uh, middle of the week. Father, I'm thankful, Father, for the beloved people, Father, who are here, Lord, to uh, hear from heaven uh, this evening, Lord. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, that you be with our pastor, Lord, that you just give him a double portion of your spirit, Lord, and just uh, give him clarity of thoughts, Lord, and uh, the boldness to uh, preach uh, your word, Lord, uh, with grace, but also in truth. And uh, we just ask this in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated as we turn to hymn 66. Hymn 66. Are you happy this evening? Amen. Are you happy this evening? Amen. Amen. You know, happiness is the Lord. Amen. Hymn 66. Hymn 66. 
Happiness is the Lord. Sing along. Our happiness is to know the Savior, living a life within his favor, having a change in my behavior. Happiness is the Lord. Happiness is. Our happiness is a new creation. Jesus and me in close relation, having a part in his salvation. Happiness is the Lord. Real joy. Real joy is mine. No matter if the teardrops start, I found a secret. It's Jesus in my heart. Our happiness is to be forgiven, living a life that worth the living, taking a trip lead to heaven happiness is the lord happiness is the lord now we're going to sing this whole song again because only two-thirds of you were smiling <laughs> talking about happiness and then you're saying happiness yeah. so because one-third of our congregation wasn't smiling we all get to sing it again from the very top not my fault that's just the rules Hymn 66, happiness is the Lord from the top. Here we go. Our happiness is to know the Savior living a life within his favor, having a change in my behavior. Happiness is the Lord. Happiness is a new creation, Jesus and me close relation, having a part in his salvation, happiness is the Lord. Real joy, real joy is mine, no matter if the teardrops stop, I found the secret, it's Jesus in my heart, our happiness is to be Forgiven, living a life that's worth the living. Taking a trip that leads to heaven. Happiness is the Lord. Happiness is the Lord. Amen. Some of y'all nervous. You're gonna have to sing it again. <laughs> And the ones I knew wasn't smiling, their face was all red, you know. Uh, but I'm glad you're here, and I appreciate you being here this evening. Get your bulletins out, if you would, please, real quick. Saturday morning, uh, it's going to be freezing kind of temperature Saturday, so we're not going to go out. So, But it's coming. It's getting there. Uh, spring's almost here. Praise the Lord. Amen. If it stayed to 70 degrees and then started warming up next week, it'd be fine, you know. Uh, but but uh, but not the men, not this Saturday. But we're getting there. We're gonna get. We have to order some more John Romans so the ladies can put those together for us. Uh, but uh, anyway, but we'll get that back. Okay. Senior luncheon Saturday, February 17th. <clears throat> Don't forget about that. So if you haven't signed up, you'd like to come, please do that. Also, uh, please uh, contact 
Ms. White or Ms. Malloy uh, about what to bring and, and to help with that. So just for any details, just see them about that, okay? Uh, and then, you know, two, two weeks, it'll be March. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I'm all for it. I'm ready. So uh, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to that. And, and first Sunday, our first Saturday in March, men, it's prayer breakfast all over again, you know? Amen. feel like we just did that, doesn't it? But, it, you know, good things just come around quick. I'm just telling you. So uh, mark all that down, and please uh, please sign up. Also, if you're signed up to go to the whitewater rafting, I made the reservations at the uh, whitewater rafting people the other day uh, that reservation is in I'll give you some uh, uh, a, a page or something out there where you can look to see what you might need to bring just in case uh, they provide the raft <laughs> and the paddle that's, that's a good sign. amen the paddle and uh, <clears throat> you know and, and a flotation device in case you decide that you don't want to ride in the raft anymore uh, so, uh, but anyway, but I'll give you that information. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, just keep looking for that out there on the bulletin board. All right. Uh, if you need a prayer sheet, anybody need a prayer sheet? If you do, just slip your hand up. We'll make sure that you get one of those. Uh, let me encourage you <coughs> that if you have not, um, talked to anybody about, uh, you know, or, or sent a text to someone that wasn't here this past week, uh, please do that. And uh, just let them know you're praying for them. Folks have been out, and uh, folks have been uh, sick. Some are getting better, but they're just not quite there yet. Some folks are still coughing. Amen. <coughs> Some folks are still sleeping on the couch. <coughs> I haven't determined if I've been coughing or if my wife just tells me I'm coughing. You know, so... Uh, uh, but anyway, but uh, pray for our folks. You know, there's been several that have not been feeling well, so please uh, keep our folks in, in your prayer and contact them between now and uh, Saturday, and let's encourage them to let them know we're praying for them, all right? Also, a special prayer for Brother Bob Martin. He's back in the hospital again. That infection has come back. And, of course, you know Brother Martin. He's been here several times, preached for us during our mission conference. So uh, just keep him in your prayer, and I know that he would... Uh, certainly appreciate that, all right? Uh, again, I, I, Brother Merlo, I believe he's back out of the country. He's back in Argentina, so pray for him and his daughter. I'm, I'm not sure. The only, last I heard that she was doing real well, so keep um, keep them in your prayers as well as Brother Gene Harmon. Uh, pray for him. He's uh, These tests have come back good, but the, the recovery process is... <coughs> excuse me. The recovery process is still uh, long going. Would you go get me a bottle of water, Brother Malachi? <coughs> Please, uh, so pray for him as he recovers from all of his radiation and all those things. The Lord help him, all right? Uh, so please, again, pray for all of our folks <coughs> that have just not been feeling good. There are a bunch over here on the help list, but a bunch that are not on there. Uh, so keep them uh, in your prayers, all right? Uh, I want to encourage you again to pray that uh, we get back to going out. I know I've been missing going out on Saturday. And uh, I know our men ha have missed that as well. Uh, God has plan A. He does not have a plan B. So uh, I'm ready to get back out and, and work on plan A some more. And so let me encourage you to pray that God will continue to bless and <clears throat> that we'll continue to see folks saved and baptized. It, the, getting them in the baptistry, that's a plus. Amen.
Are y'all are y'all still with me? It did. I mean, I know my voice is a little bit quiet, but you know, I did, y'all did hear. Is this on? You know, uh, that's the plus to getting them in the baptistry, amen. And so I thought that's what you. Maybe it's my hearing has got. Maybe it's got up in my ears. I just didn't hear you say amen. Uh, but pray for the folks that they come and they get saved and they get baptized and and uh, that we disciple them. Go out and teach them. All things whatsoever I have commanded you, thus saith the Lord. And so uh, that's our that's our purpose is in reaching people. So please uh, keep them in your prayers. All right, uh, come ahead, Brother Mike. I'll turn the stove thing on. Um, so let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll have another song and and uh, just uh, just spend some time as I pray and ask God's blessing upon our worship tonight. Dear Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, your, your grace and your mercy. And, uh, Lord, there's a lot of things going on in this whole world, and, uh, Lord, uh, that we don't know anything about. And, God, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, Lord. And I pray, God, that you'd please help us, Lord, to uh, be battle-ready, Lord. And and in order to be battle-ready, Father, we've got to uh, stay close to you. We've got to stay prayed up. We've got to stay read up, Lord, and stay in the Word of God. And. So, Lord, I pray that you, dear Holy Spirit, would please equip us, Father, and help us, God, to be the kind of uh, Christian soldiers that we need to be. And, uh, God, we give you praise for that. I pray, Lord, for all of our folks that haven't been feeling well. God, we've had several, Lord, some that are even sick today. I pray, God, that you'd be with them. I pray that you'd raise them up, help them, Lord, to strengthen them in, in their physical bodies, Lord, so that they'll be ready to be back and worship you, Lord, this coming Sunday. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us to have a good Bible study tonight, Lord. And again, be with those that we've mentioned. We need you, Father. And I I pray, dear Holy Spirit, that you'd strengthen my voice tonight, Lord. And, God, that you'd help me to teach the lesson that you've laid upon my heart, God, as we continue into the life of David. And, and, uh, Lord, may we get something tonight that will help us. And, uh, Lord, to be better Christians, Lord, to be better equipped to... Uh, face tomorrow, and Lord, we'll give you praise for it. We pray to bless the offering, Lord, bless the gift and the giver, and may everything that we do and say, Lord, bring honor and glory to your holy name, because it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. If you have an offering, you please come. Amen. Now at this time, if you're able to rise, we'd like for you to sing with us, uh, Take the Name of Jesus with you, hymn 51. We'll just do a verse and a chorus. Please greet each other after this verse and a chorus, and then prepare for tonight's Bible study. Take the Name of Jesus with you, hymn 51, verse and a chorus. All right. Here we go. I'll take the name of Jesus with you. 
child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it, then where you go? Precious name, precious name. Oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven. Let's do the last verse. Uh, at the name of Jesus, bowing, falling, prostrate at his feet. King of king in heaven will crown him when a journey is complete. Precious name. Precious name, oh, how sweet, hope of earth and joy of hell. Precious name, oh, how sweet, hope of earth and joy of hell. Please greet each other at this time. Amen. We're going to sing another hymn 51. Take the name of Jesus with you, verse 2. Here we go. I take the name of Jesus ever as a shield from every snare. If temptations round you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. Precious name, precious name. Oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of hell. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of hell. Amen. Now at this time, you may be seated. All right, turn the Bibles if you would. First Samuel 25, and, and tonight I'm just going to ask you to read along with me because we're going to look at the whole chapter, and, and uh, we're not going to read the entire chapter this evening, but we're going to talk about David and Abigail. <coughs> David and Abigail, and I'll, I'm going to have to keep um, a slurred or something in my mouth. You know, I've always told it's been rude to talk with something in your mouth. But I need something to keep my mouth dry so or wet. So if y'all just kind of bear with me, I'd appreciate it. First Samuel 25, all right? Found your place, amen. <clears throat> Father, help me, Lord, tonight. God, we, uh, I pray that you, as we come to First Samuel 25, we begin talking about uh, David and, and uh, Abigail. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd, again, help us to rightly divide your word of truth. Um, help, pray, Lord, that you'd help my voice to... Stay strong tonight, Lord, to preach the message, God, that you've laid on my heart. And, and uh, God, I pray that you just bless in a special way. And, Lord, we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. First Samuel 25. Now, we, it, let me go ahead and start out. We'll read the <clears throat> first verse. And just to get started, it says, And, and Samuel died. 
And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. In fact, let me go ahead and read this next verse. It says, And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great. He had 3,000 sheep, <clears throat> 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of the, his wife, Abigail. <clears throat> and she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. And now we'll, we'll leave off there. Now if we go back to verse 1. You find out first thing that Samuel's died. Samuel, if you remember, was the spiritual leader of Israel. He had not only served as a prophet, but Samuel was uh, served as a judge as well. Now, Samuel was the one who gave Israel their first king. All right? He was also the last person to serve as a judge in Israel. Now, Samuel's death, it, it closed the era of, of the judges, and it made way for what we call the monarchy or the rule of kings, and, uh, and now Samuel has died. And all Israel has gathered here to mourn, uh, to mourn the death of Samuel. And, and so when they're all gathered here, if you read that in verse 1, it says, And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him. And buried him in the house of Ramah, and David arose. And, and, and this is a, a kind of where we get to. As soon as, the <clears throat> as soon as the funeral was over, David had come to uh, lament Samuel as well as he should have. But as soon as the funeral was over, David took off and headed down to the wilderness of Paran, which was south of Judah. And if you go and look at this on the map, I'm going to have to start bothering, bar, uh, borrowing Brother uh, Shelton's map that he has in there in his uh, in his classroom, but if you look at that map, you'll find that 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 Paran, or which is south of Judah, was an area. It was a target for the Philistines, and it was also a target for the Amalekites when they would raid them. and And these mercenaries were uh, often hired to provide. Uh, when these guys would go down there, mercenaries were hired. Uh, to protect these shepherds when, when the Philistines and the Amalekites would go down there and raid them of their crops. So one of the farmers that was down there, and we just read his name in, uh, in verse 3, one of the farmers that, was, that was, uh, was a rich guy that lived down in that area was a man by the name of Nabal. Now David and his uh, uh, 600 men at that time if you go back, and if, in fact, if you look back up to chapter or verse 15 and 16 in chapter 25, you'll notice that, that David and his men, they would, they would protect and watch over uh, these people that were down in that area, men like Nabal who had lands and crops, and they would protect these people from the Philistine raids and from the Amalekite raids, and, and, and so they would protect the shepherds and all these other guys, and and, and so they, uh, they helped them out. And if you look in verse 15 and 16, you'll notice there where uh, it, it said that David's men were very good to us is what it says. And it says that we were not hurt, neither missed we anything. In other words, David's men kept these Amalekites and kept these Philistines from running off with any of their herds or any of their crops. So the soldiers, they protected the farmers. And in return, when these farmers would provide food and shelter and clothing for these men, uh, for the men of David, for protecting them. 
And it's a natural thing. If you look in verse 6 and 8, let's go ahead and, and, and read these two verses. It says, And those shall ye say to him, uh, let me, let's get back up here, verse 4. It says, And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. This was a natural time when, when the, uh, the, these men were shearing their sheep. It was a natural time for them to uh, pay back, in a sense, if you will, these men, like David's men and David himself, for protecting them. So it said, as, as Nabal did shear his sheep, David sent out ten young men, and, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel and, and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him that liveth in prosperity. You know why he lived in prosperity, don't you? Because David and his men had protected him and kept all these Amalekites and Philistines from going down there and stealing all of his stuff. So he said, Say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace to be, uh, be to thine house, and peace unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shearers. <coughs> now, uh, now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them. All the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes. For we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thy hand, and unto thy servants, and to thy son David. So David goes down there, or he sends these young men down there, and they're instructed to give Nabal a visit and, and ask him for some help. Now, again, David's men had contributed to the prosperity of Nabal. That's why he had what he had was because of, of David and his men. And if you notice here in that last verse 8, David didn't tell him what he wanted. He didn't set a price. <coughs> He's leaving that up to Nabal. You know, I've done a lot of weddings over the years, and I've always had somebody come, and they've asked me, they say, Pastor, what do you, what do you charge? And I, I never give them a price. In the 38 years that I've been doing, I have never given a price for anybody. But I will joke around with, with the groom. And I will tell them, now, um, you, just, you can just give me what you think she's worth. And then when they look at me, kind of like you're looking at me, I say, and, and by the way, I always tell her. <laughs> and then they don't know what to do. You know, they, they're, they're young and they're standing there and their eyes, you know, look like they're, they're, their feet would fit a branch. You know what I mean? Because they look like a hoot owl, you know. And then I tell them, I'm just kidding. I said, you know, whatever you, whatever you do will be fine. I never, I never set a price. Well, this is exactly what David's doing. He's been doing what he's doing to be a help and to be a blessing. And he's going to leave that up to Nabal. And so David says, you just pay me what you think is fair. But what happens next, it really presents a picture of people and their attitudes toward others. And this is why we've got to be careful. And there's three main characters that I want you to see. And the first is in verses 2 and 3. And we'll look at the, what I've called the foolish farmer, okay? And this foolish farmer has a name, and we've already said his name. His name is Nabal, and he is a wealthy landowner. And also remember that David and his men, they are, they are the one that has been providing protection and fighting for these landowners and keeping their land safe and keeping these, the, these shepherds safe as well. 
So David's men, they go to talk to Nabal about getting some help, probably some food and supplies as well. But then look in verse 10 and 11. Notice what Nabal says. And it says, And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Look at the next three words. Is that gratitude or what? Who's David? And who's the son of Jesse? There'll be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh? He'd forgotten where that came from. He'd forgotten how he got it. He said, I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be. You know, listen, before we get on the ball in a sense, you know, we, sometimes we forget where our blessings come from too. Yeah, we, we forget that. And so, so uh, Nabal is not a very gracious individual. He set up a shearing time for all of his sheep. Normally it was a time of celebration, and it was a, uh, but Nabal is not having any of that. I mean, not, Nabal's not only wealthy, but he's wicked. And look in verse 3. We read this a minute ago, and, and maybe you saw this, but maybe you didn't. But it says, it describes Nabal as a curlish and evil in his doings. That word curlish means harsh. In other words, he was unreasonable and he flaunted his prosperity. Have you ever met somebody that would flaunt what they have? Have you ever said something about, you know, and this is what I I have talked about in the past, about sometimes you have to be careful about sharing God's blessings with with other people because they want to up you. You know, they want to one-up you, you know. You know, well, I have ten. You know, God blessed me and gave me a hundred dollars. Well, that's nothing. God blessed me then and gave me a thousand. Well, wait a minute. Can we just be thankful that we we've received blessings from God? Well, Nabal was the kind of guy that flaunted his prosperity. He's harsh. He's unreasonable. And so, David, if you keep reading, the Bible says he appeared to Nabal as a son. In other words, he had a close bond between. Uh, between Nabal and, and, and David, and David had protected him and protected his pros, uh, prosperity just like a son would. But now Nabal, listen, the Bible really begins to give us some of his uh, personality traits, if you will. He's a wicked individual. In fact, look in, look in verse 17. Notice, I thought this was interesting. Notice what his workers said about him. It says, Now therefore know and consider uh, what that will do for evil is determined against our master and against all uh, his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak unto him. Now, that's the way his, his uh, employees described him. They said, man, he's a, a son of Belial. How, how, now, let me ask you, how bad is that when your employees, that, they're telling them that's what they think of their employer? Yeah. Look in verse 25. It goes a little further. Verse 25, it, uh, we find out that his wife refers to him the same way, a man of Belial. In fact, if you look up the name Nabal, you'll find out that it means fool, F-O-O-L. I'll get it out. Yeah, he's a zero. F-O-O-L, fool. So apparently, Nabal is living up to his name, all right? Now, get this. Now, in the Old Testament, a fool, it didn't mean, if somebody called you a fool, it didn't mean that you were a man who was stupid or ignorant. That's not what that means. It means that that person is someone who lived apart from God. 
It means that they were doing things their own way without regard for anybody else. And by the way, today that is still the definition of a fool. Somebody that will live apart from God, doing things their own way without regard to, for anyone else. God help us not to ever do that. There, there, listen, there's Nabals everywhere today, by the way. Uh, and uh, they're, some, they're pretty easy to spot. They're, they're curlish people who can't say thank you for anything, who cheat others and who make life miserable for everybody. And this is exactly what Nabal was doing for his men. He had been helped by David. He had been helped by David's men. But rather than respond with gratitude, he suggested that David and his men, that they were causing an uprising against Saul. Now, what better way to get somebody off your back, especially David, if you didn't want to pay him or be nice to him, say, man, I'm not being nice to you. You're, you're, I mean, you're causing an uprising against the king. Why should I give you, you know what they're doing? They're justifying their decisions by, and, and what they chose by, by belittling somebody else. Uh, there's Nabals everywhere, by the way. Nabal knew exactly what David and his men had done for him. He knew that he was reaping his prosperity because David and his men had protected him. But Nabal didn't want to give up any of his money or his possessions to help David, so he accused David of doing something evil. You know, we live in a day, you know the old saying, it's all about the money. Uh, if somebody <clears throat> that you know is all about the money, be careful. Listen, there's a lot of people today that do what they do, and it's all about the dollar. Listen, there, there's a, a whole lot more things important than the dollar. You know, you, you can't take it with you. They tried that, and, and the Egyptian tombs was full of money. Where did that get them? It sure didn't get them to heaven. Listen, I want you to understand it's the same way today. And, and Nabal, so because he didn't want to be a help to David, he accused him of doing something evil. <clears throat> that's, the, that's the foolish farmer. But notice in verse 12 and 13, <clears throat> We, we see what I call the furious soldier. Look in verse 12 and 13. It says, so uh, he, Nabal verse 11 says, you know, can, should I give my bread, my water, my flesh that I have killed for my shearers? And, and he's taking all the credit for it. So David's young men turned their way back or, or turned their way and went again and came and told all those sayings. Be sure your sins will find you out. David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. <clears throat> and they girded on every man his sword. <clears throat> and David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. Oh, listen, you think David's upset? Absolutely. When David's men came back and they repeated, Nabal's response, Dave, I think he was, you know, what I'd say, he was ticked off. So when you look in verse 13, he says, okay, give every man his sword. Because, you know, 400 of you guys, you put, you strap your sword on, we're going to go up. And listen, and you're not going to take your sword with you if you're just going to have a chat with somebody. Amen. Uh, it, it ain't going to happen. You take your sword because you're about to go to battle. And David is angry. And he's going to do something about it. Now look in verse 21. 
It says, now David had said, surely in vain have I kept all that, all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, saw that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath required me evil for good. David said, listen, I took care of this guy. I, I did all this stuff for him. I, I, he's, I'm the reason why he has what he has. And, and, and li- I've not done anything evil to this guy, but he's saying that I have done something wrong to justify his bad decision. He, David's upset. So David, he's mad, and I un- right, understandably so. And so he's going up, and he's going to kill Nabal, and not only Nabal, but he's going to kill all of his men. Now, <clears throat> David may be overreacting a little, but we never do that when we're mad. Amen? We never overreact. I mean, we're calm, cool, and collected, right? But not David. I mean, he's upset. And, 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 and we know that this is a common response for, for, you know, because we're human. You know, when Saul got mad at David, you remember what he did? He gathered up 3,000 soldiers. You think he's overreacting a little? Absolutely. When David got mad at Nabal, so he takes 400 soldiers with him, and uh, he's going to get Nabal back for being disrespectful to him. And I can only imagine, have you ever got upset with somebody, and, and you're going to go talk to them? And, and it's probably, let's say it's 30 minutes from here to where, you're gonna, where they are so you can talk to them. And all the way there, it's like, you know, I can't really believe that they're doing me this way. And I can't believe that I did this and this. And the longer you replay that stuff in your mind, and the longer you go back over it in your mind, by, listen, by the time you get there, you are convinced that what you're doing is the right thing, and you are going to let them have it. Can everybody say amen? Yeah, we know. I mean, we played it over and over. And listen, I'm telling you, and you know who's in there going, yeah, that's right. You get them. That's right. I mean, you're, you're justified. You're, you, that's exactly what you ought to do. The devil is the one that's cheering you on. Yeah. Um, because he knows it's a, you know, open mouth, insert foot. Yeah. So here goes David. He's going back. He's thinking probably, you know, I've had enough of this. Who does he think he is? I mean, I've done everything that I, that I could possibly do to help this guy, and he treats me like this. I mean, and we would do the same thing. No, nobody's going to treat me that way. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind, however small it might be. Yeah. Um, but we've all done that. And David's furious. But now notice uh, a faithful wife. Here comes Nabal's wife. I, what a... What a, a hero she is. She's one of the most, and let me read my, one of the most wonderful women in Scripture. I believe she's an unsung hero of the Old Testament. And while David <clears throat> is gathering his men for a battle, one of Nabal's servants was who heard the conversation you know you think about it and of all servants they they're out here working and here comes david's 10 young men and they're saying you know listen we're here on behalf of of, of our leader david and and uh, you know we've come down here we've been protecting you for the last year and and uh, your crops have come in you're shearing your sheep we've noticed that man things have been good for you this year 
Uh, we've kept all of the marauders away from you. We've kept the Amalekites and the Philistines away from you. And we've just come today. David's not asking for anything specific. But we do need some help. Would you please help us? And the servants of, of Nabal are there. And they already, they, can you imagine what they're thinking? They know Nabal. They already said he's a son of Belial. And they're thinking, oh, no. Oh, man. It's like a, a, a train wreck. You can see it coming, but there's not a thing you can do. No. And the ball starts in. Who does he think he is? Who's, who's David? Who is the son of Jesse? Should, I, I'm not going to give him something that, from, that I've done for my men, and this is what I've done. I'm not giving this, my stuff away to somebody for the likes of him. And his ten young men said, okay. And they just go. And, and the servants of Nabal, they know what is about to take place. I mean, these guys had to uh, have, have a little bit of sense about them. So David goes this way, or I mean, uh, David's young men go this way to tell uh, David what Nabal said. And one of David's servants go this way to talk to the only person they know that can probably help the situation. And that's Nabal's wife, Abigail. Look in verses 14 through 17. <clears throat> it says, but one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent uh, messengers uh, out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he, he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything as long as we were uh, conversant with them <clears throat> when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us both by night and by day, and all, all while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider that what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is uh, such a son of Belial that a man can't, cannot speak to him. In other words, they can't even reason with him. <clears throat> and so we're, we, they go straight to Abigail. They relate Nabal's insults uh, against David's messengers, and notice that he justified David's request for supplies and said, listen, the sermon said we should have gave them to him. We should, they said that David's always been good to us as shepherds. He's always protected us, and he's never mistreated us, and he's protected us from the bandits. <clears throat> and, so, and so they're telling all this to Nabal's wife. And they said, listen, we've got to do something about this. So she sets out to do what she can to stop David from making a mistake. Now, it's an amazing thing to me that, that uh, Abigail, uh, is, she's not only protecting her husband, but she's stopping David from making a big mistake. Amen. Look in verse 3. Abigail is introduced to us this way. I, and I like this. It said, now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. That, now, they didn't say very much right at the, right the, at the outset about Nabal. They say, they're saying it about Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But now they say, they, you know, they put the best up front and they saved the worst for the last part. But the man was curlish and evil in his doings and he was of the house of Caleb. 
Listen, it says that Abigail is a good woman. It says a woman of good understanding. That, that, those words, good understanding, mean that, that she was a wise woman. And, and, and we're going to see this later. But listen, <clears throat> wisdom, folks, the kind of wisdom that we need today comes only from God. Look, turn to James chapter 3 and verse 17 with me. James chapter 3 and, and look in verse 17. Listen, it says that she was a woman, a, a, a wise, she was a wise woman. In other words, she, she had to have wisdom if she's a wise woman. James 3, 17, found your place, amen. It says, the, this wisdom, or, uh, the wisdom that is from above is what? Pure, uh, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without uh, hypocrisy. That word pure, it means free of contamination or defilement. It, may, it also means holy. Listen, pure wisdom is holy wisdom. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart. In other words, blessed are the holy in heart, for they shall see God. And as a result of that, that pure, watch, of that, that wisdom that is first pure, then comes things that are peaceable. Abigail is, sets out to, to make peace. Listen, I'm telling you, we live in a world today where we need to be a, a Christians of wisdom. And the only way that we can have wisdom today, a godly wisdom, is to have a relationship with God Himself. And in order to have a relationship with God Himself, we have got to have a relationship with the Word of Almighty God. We, we, we have to be a people of wisdom, but we're living in a world today where people are, they're, they're all about being curlish. They're all about uh, uh, being unreasonable, and they want their way beyond anything else, and they, they turn into Nabal. They become fools. They want things outside the will of God. So here's David. He's preparing for battle. Well, Abigail is preparing for peace. Why? Because pure wisdom is first pure, or wisdom from above is first pure, then it's peaceable. It's gentle. We're seeing all of these attributes coming out of Abigail. So while David is getting ready for, for battle, he's arming his men with swords, and the Bible says that David even got his sword. Normally, I mean, I don't think David would always have it, to me, for the, for the Bible to say that David gets his sword, you know what? He's going to exact himself a little bit of revenge. He may take the first swing. So she hears about what took place, and she prepares a feast, and she sends it to David and goes out to meet him. Now, she's a, a wise woman, and she knows that you can't treat a man like David, the anointed king, with disrespect. All right? Look in verse 23 and verse 24. <clears throat> She's also a gracious woman. Now, David had said, surely in vain have I kept all this. And we read that uh, uh, in verse 21. But then verse 23 says, And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground, fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. I, now, listen. Uh, this, talking about uh, uh, Abigail's spirit. And if you notice here, the, these verses, she refers to David as Lord eight times. Uh, she is really putting herself in a, a, a position of humility. Not only that, but she uses the word please several times. And she bows before David. 
and she's showing him that she has respect for him. And she points out that if she had seen David's servants rather than Nabal, that she would give Nabal exactly what, or David exactly what he had asked for. Now, Abigail was everything Nabal was not. Amen. Think about it. Which reminds us, you don't have to become like the person you live with. Amen. You don't have to become like the people you work around. You, you don't. Listen, she lived with Nabal, who was negative, curlish, and mean, but Abigail is showing us she is everything but that. Do we work around curlish people? Absolutely. We bump into them every single day on, in, on our jobs, at the stores. But listen, we don't have to be like them. Abigail was positive and gracious. But no, notice also she was a, a brave individual. Here comes David, 400 of his men. They're armed with swords. And I would imagine David, is, uh, he's got his guys ready to fight. I mean, you don't go into battle passive. You don't go into battle thinking, you know, well, these guys weren't, they were okay to us, and we really hate to go over here, you know. No, no, wait a minute. David's probably got them fired up. I'm telling you, men, we protected Nabal. We protected his, she, uh, his shepherds. We protected his crops, and, and he has disrespected. He not only disrespected me, men, but he has disrespected you. You've been the ones out there that's been fighting those men. You're, you're the ones that's been out there and, and, and with your blood, sweat, and tears. And, and, and you're the only reason that they have what they had. And they have disrespected us. I think they're fired up just like David. So they're, they're I mean, the, my first response, if 400 men are coming with swords and they're battle, battle ready and battle hard, if they're coming, going this way, then I'm going to go the same direction they're going. You know what I mean? Because, and if they're going five miles an hour that way, I'm going to go eight miles an hour that way. I'm going to, make, I'm going to put some distance between me and them because I know why they're coming. But notice this is, this is not Abigail's response. Her response is not to run. It's to do the right thing. She gave David a wealth of food. She pleaded for her husband's life. And she's still not sure that David isn't going to kill him anyway. All right? And, and keep in mind, David has already expressed his intention on killing everybody. So Abigail has no way of knowing if David is going to carry that out or not. All she knows is, listen, I'm going to do the right thing. You know, sometimes we just have to do the right thing and leave the results up to God. Sometimes we just got to be of a, of a good courage and know that, listen, this, uh, I cannot determine, I cannot decide what they're going to do, but I, can, I know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do the right thing. And you know what? And then leave it up to God. That's what God wants us to do anyway, by the way. So she, she runs out to meet them because she is a courageous woman. But notice also she's a godly woman. Everything about her suggests that she loves God. And, and, and by the way, I believe that the servants recognized that because they came with her or, or came to her with the news of David's arrival rather than, than to her husband. Listen, they already know Nabal. They know what kind of response they're going to get from her. They want to get the right response, so they're going to go to the person that will give it. we got to be careful about going to people 
uh, that, that won't give us a godly response. Amen. Look in verse uh, 28. It says, I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because uh, my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not found in thee all thy days. Now, uh, now watch this. She knows uh, about David's faithfulness to God, but she's also certain of God's faithfulness to David, and we see it right here. In other words, Abigail knew that David's life was secure in God. She knew that God has taken care of him, and she also knew that, that God was going to be faithful to him. And, and she, know, she knew about his exploits and about how he killed Goliath. Look in verse 30 and verse 31. It says, And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto, thy, unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. Now, this is important. Abigail, who is a godly woman, knew that God is going to remain faithful. And she reminds David, David, be careful. You're going to be king one of these days. She already knows and recognizes that, that he's God's anointed. And she already knows this. Listen, she said, David, you're going to be king one day. God has already put you in that position. And, and when you take the throne, you don't need some petty grievance like this bothering your conscience when you ascend to the throne that God has put you on. And he's, she's telling David, you got to be careful. Don't make a big mistake. And listen, this is good advice from Abigail. It's good counsel from her. The actions of Nabal were not worth a bad conscience. And sometimes we got to be careful. Sometimes our actions, even though a situation has turned on us and treated us in a bad way, our, listen, our response is not worth a bad conscience in the future. Yeah. Abigail's up front with David. She's candid with him. She reminds him about his future. She knew that God was faithful, watch this, and, and she knew that, uh, also recognized that sin is faithful to remind us of our failures. I mean, how, how many years have it been since you really pulled something that was a, a, a rookie mistake kind of thing, and you really, you, you look back on those years and you say, man, I wish I'd have never done that. Everybody. Listen, Abigail's trying to keep David from, from coming to that place. And, and David appreciated what she said. Look in verse 32 and verse 33. <clears throat> it's his first response. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. Listen, I'm telling you, David recognized that, she, that he has got some godly counsel from her. You know what, you know what sometimes keeps, it, keeps us from coming to that place where David was at right then and recognizing that, that she's trying to help him? Pride. Yeah. Sometimes, listen, sometimes we do things and say things that we really shouldn't do or say. But it's how we respond after that that makes a difference. Think about Peter, who denied the Lord. 
Listen, Peter could have been done with ministry from that point. He could have, pride could have slipped in and kept him from repenting and getting right with God had he, had he allowed it. But if, so if we will stop and, and allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us and allow, allow God to help us when things like that happen, listen, we'll stop and we'll begin to take counsel from godly things. It may be from the Word of God. It may be from something someone told us, just like Abigail told David. But if we'll do that and, and stop for a minute and think about it, I, I'm telling you, we'll come to the same kind of conclusion that David did. And he'll realize that that was good advice. He realized that this was a godly woman. And, 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 and not only did, did she save her husband's life, but she kept David from making a big mistake. And she became a tool in the hand of God. And, and, and God accomplished something in both her life and in David's. Let me show you. Uh, so uh, just a couple of things, some lessons of Abigail's life. I've got three minutes. When Abigail gets home, you'd think that her husband would be grateful. You would think. But, uh, personally, I think there's probably already been maybe one of his servants have been up there and told him what happened. Nabal, you wouldn't believe this, man. I'm telling you, one of one of the servants, they, David's men went back, and they told David what happened, how we didn't do this and this and this. And, and listen, and there was 400 men out here with swords, and they were about to kill everybody. And Nabal's in there having a drunken party. And, and Abigail comes in to try to... Try to maybe to tell him, but look in verse 36 what happens. It says, And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. You know what you tell somebody who's drunk? Nothing. If you do, it's not going to mean anything. The Bible says, uh, how's that verse go? Uh, wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. Yeah. So she gets home and, and has to deal with, with a drunken fool. And so she waits until the morning in verse 37. Look what she says. But it came to pass in the morning when, when the wine was gone out of Nabal and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him and he became as a stone. You know, I, I, I read that and, and, and studied that to try to see what's going on. And um, when he finds out what, what happened, <clears throat> and, and uh, they think that he probably had a stroke and, and that he was probably paralyzed. In fact, if you keep reading, that he was in that, that state for 10 days and then he died. And when word got back to David that Nabal had died, um, David realized that God worked on his behalf. You remember what God said about vengeance. Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord, I shall repay. And David had understood that, that literally that uh, Abigail had kept him from making a big mistake. And then the Lord took care of it on his behalf. I can look back on my life and on my ministry and, and see things in the last almost 40 years, how uh, people have attacked and all these kinds of things. And, and, and I've all, I, I learned a long time ago that if I'll just take the high road, 
and let God. Listen, people will, people will never know that you take the high road. All they'll see and hear is the, is the bad things that people want to hear and see. But I'm telling you, if you'll take the high road and do the right thing, God will take care of everything else. And I'm here to tell you, that's exactly what God will do. It not, it only, it not only just happens here in the written word, but it happens in the lives of God's people too. Yeah. Uh, God took care of this, and, and David realized it. Look, he realized that God was, proved himself faithful. Look in verse 39. He says, And when David heard that Nabal was dead, <clears throat> he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach and from the hand of Nabal. And hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. Isn't that exactly a Bible principle, by the way? Yeah, you can find that in other places. He returned Nabal's wickedness upon his own head. And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him uh, for his wife. Um, I, I think David recognized her wisdom and, and, and recognized her godliness and, and knew that he would appreciate a woman like this being his wife. And so she's, she's gone from being married to an evil person to being married to a man after God's own heart. Yeah. It reminds me that a person who lives without God in their life is a fool. Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But for the child of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, a person who's determined to live for self can expect this type of exit from the world. I've said this a lot of times. Lost people don't die like saved people. And by the way, people in the will of God don't die like carnal Christians either. Yeah. Abigail teaches us that it's possible for a woman to maintain her spirit of love and graciousness even though she's married to a curlish individual. And I think it's interesting that we notice here. Now, what this is something I think is important. Abigail never put Nabal down. She never dogged him. You follow me? She never said bad things about him. Never, you don't read that anywhere in Scripture. She was candid about him, but she was out there still trying to be faithful to him and support him. She was out there and kept him from getting killed. Yeah. I mean, uh, as difficult as it might have been, she was still faithful, and God honored her for it, and she became the wife of King David. So, folks, listen, can I tell you tonight that, that whatever we do, don't let a situation make you do something that you know you ought not to do because this old world going to put us in some pretty uh, difficult circumstances, and we can all say amen. This old world, and listen, and curlish people are going to make the hair on the back of our head stand up. And we are going to want to say something and do something. But can I encourage you? Don't do it. Yeah. You just let, let them be what they want to be, and you be a, an individual that's filled with the Spirit of God. Let God have His way, and God will take care of it. And, and the reason I know that is because God keeps a record. Yeah. And God knows who you are, and he knows what you do, and God will always take, just like he took care of David, God will take care of you. So please, I want to encourage you today. When the world, you know, that, what's that old saying? When the world gives you lemons, 
just make lemonade. Yep. And then sell it for $2 a glass. Amen. But I'm telling you, God will take care of you. Father, help us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your hand will be upon us. Lord, Abigail saved David. Not only did she save him at that moment, but God, she saved him from a lot of difficulties as king when he finally ascended to the throne. Thank you for Abigail, Lord, who is a, a godly woman. And God shows us the traits and the characteristics of a godly woman. Uh, God, in those traits and characteristics come from being an individual with wisdom. And, Lord, you told us what wisdom was all about in James 3.17. And I pray, God, that we'll be a people of wisdom. Lord, if we don't have that, that godly wisdom, the wisdom from above, God, you said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So I pray, God, that you'd help us and strengthen us. Help us to do the right thing even when the world wants us to do the wrong thing. God, I pray that we'll stay in the confines of the word of Almighty God and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Lord, speak into your heart. <clears throat> Maybe there's just something that you want to come and pray about. I want to encourage you to come. Thank <clears throat> you.